Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan. We're back with Keith Broders, founder of the Constitution Club, and the website constitutionclub.ning.com. Natural law rights were the basis for uh, the Constitution. They were the basis for the beliefs of our founders. Uh, and natural law rights are rights that are given to us by God. That's how, they, that's how these rights are. They're not manufactured rights. So natural law rights do not put a financial burden on any other person. That, that's the essence of natural law rights. However, when the government creates a right like the right to for medical care. There's a good example. What that means is that government right is not only administered by the government, it can be changed at any time by the government, and someone has to pay for that right. So it is not really a right because when you force someone, when you take money from someone to pay for, to, for a benefit of another, that person is a slave. Uh, And I've often wondered why, if slavery is prohibited, why do the programs of the federal government outright enslave people through taxation? And no one says a word about it. Well, the next next of the amendments that... uh is the 17th Amendment, and I think this is extremely important. The Founding Fathers were very, very brilliant, like you said, and they, they, they foresaw the future, and they knew what would happen. They knew that, that the Constitution would be attacked and that, that they would have to be ready and on guard to prevent its abuse of power. So in Article 5, they provided for an, a, policy, a, a procedure for amending the Constitution, and there were two clauses in the Article 5, that are particularly important. One of them basically said that under no circumstances could the government of the United States pass any type of legislation or amendments that would interfere with the importation of slaves until after the year 1808. They they realized that in order to get the the support of the southern states, they would need to include this in the Constitution to to, to more or less assure the southern states that they they would not interfere with the institution of slavery for, for 20 years. But the very final words of Article 5 basically say that no state shall be deprived of its equal suffrage in the Senate without their consent. They knew that the, that the uh, enemies of the Constitution would try to strip the states of their sovereignty by taking away their representation in the Senate. I really believe that if the senators 
were chosen by the states like they were initially, they would have the ability to stand up and prevent the House of Representatives from spending money so impulsively on things that are unconstitutional. I don't think that we would have uh, national seatbelt laws and national helmet laws and a lot of these other laws if the if the state legislators would ch- choose the senators, the senators could block these 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 acts. I think there'd be a lot of things that that, that would that would not have made it through. I don't believe that Obamacare could have been passed the Senate if the senators were chosen by the by the Senate by the legislators in the states rather than by the people at large. You said it very accurately. This, the House we don't have a bicameral legislature anymore. We have a House of Representatives and a Senate that both represent the same constituency. The people uh, elect the senators. The people elect the the, the 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 senators and the House of Representatives. It's it's a situation where we have a potential for a tyranny of the majority because the check and the balance has disappeared. What's really important about this is that when you have direct election of senators, that means money to fund their campaigns will come from outside the state. Uh, recently in a campaign in, in the state of Georgia here, uh, I believe that somewhere between 90 and 95% of the money that was donated to uh, the one of the candidates came from outside the state of Georgia. So that's a direct influence that should never have been brought to bear. Under the original Constitution, those two senators from the state of Georgia or any other state should represent only the interests of the state they come from. And that's not possible if most of their campaign funds are coming from outside the state. Well, that's right. The House, the seats in the, the, the seats in the House of Representatives and the Senate are purchased with dollars contributed by Wall Street corporations and London bankers. And the people basically, are the, most of the money that is spent is spent on the media. And the media basically is, is uh, helping to get the people elected, and the people who get elected owe their, they owe their, they owe their soul to their financial contributors. And so the people that are elected to the Senate, their primary job is to position themselves to get reelected, which means that they need to basically be uh, answering. They take their marching orders from the financial elite. And so by taking the money out of politics, we take away a lot of the potential corruption. In terms of the ratification of the 17th Amendment, there were some irregularities, were there not? Well, I think I think there were, and I... I, I that's one thing I'm not – maybe you can elaborate on this a little bit better than I can as far as some of the irregularities. I know that in the case of the 16th Amendment, it, that, 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 that it was not lawfully ratified. Uh, perhaps you could share your position as far as the 17th Amendment and the irregularities associated with it. Well, uh, you've provided me with a list of some states. Oh, Oh, okay. And how it directly violates the Constitution? Yes, absolutely. Well, say, for example, um, Article 4, Section 4, says that every state shall have a Republican form of government. Well, in a Republican form of government, the people who make the decisions are not the people at large, but they are people selected by the people at large. In other words, it's the representatives of the people are, are, are voted upon, and those individuals make the decisions. And so if we had a true Republican form of government, uh, it, it would necessitate the indirect election of senators rather than the direct election of senators that we have today. So that's one of the places where the 17th Amendment contradicts and violates the Constitution itself. I mean, uh, the, the 17th Amendment also 
basically, again, it says that no state shall be deprived of its equal suffrage in the Senate without their consent. Well, when the when the 17th was was ratified, there were 36 out of 48 states that had said, yes, we are willing to give our consent to give up our representation in the Senate. Well, there were 12 states that did not give their consent. Well, according to the provisions of Article 5, it says no state, not even one state. If one state did not give their consent, then the 17th Amendment could not lawfully be ratified. The fact of the matter is, Utah (coughs) was one of the states, there were two states, Utah and Delaware, that flat out rejected the amendment when it was proposed to their state legislatures. And there were 10 other states that just did not take any action at all. Well, all of those states were denied their equal suffrage in the Senate, and they never gave their permission. So this clearly is a violation of Article 5. You can't have a Constitution that has uh, has amendments that contradict one another. Or, or, or excuse me, you know, there's an Article 5. You can't have an amendment that contradicts it. And uh, so, the, as far as I'm concerned, the the, the 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 17th Amendment is unconstitutional. I believe today there are still seven states that have never ratified that amendment. I believe that the seven states that have not ratified that amendment, they have not given their consent. And because they have not given their consent, I believe that they have every right to nullify the the 17th Amendment in their state, just like the northern states uh, passed liberty laws to prevent the uh, implementation and enforcement of the fugitive slave law. Uh, some of the states that have uh, have not signed or have not given their consent to the 17th Amendment include Utah, Kentucky, Mississippi, Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, Kentucky. These states, I believe, basically should just tell the government that, hey, we don't care what you say. We we are going to nullify the direct election of senators in our state. The next time we have a senatorial election, we're going to handle it. And if we need your help, we'll ask for it. That, that's the basic philosophy that I have, is, is that, the, 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 that everything that can be handled at the county level should be handled at the county level. Everything that can be handled at the state level should be handled at the state level. And I believe that the federal government has no reason to come into a state unless they're invited in to handle a problem that the state cannot handle on their own. I don't believe there's any reason to have national parks. I believe that the states can handle it. And if they can't handle it, then they can ask for help. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. We'll be right back after this quick break. This is Dr. Dan. We're back with Keith Broders, founder of the Constitution Club, on the website constitutionclub.ning.com. We've raised another very, very sore point, especially to people of our area here, and that is the national, the, the U.S. Forest Service, the national parks, uh, the TVA. All these government agencies do is steal land from the people and prevent the people from using their land, uh, using this land the way they should. Uh, and so you're right. I mean, wouldn't it be great if, yeah, it's, it's good to preserve some natural beauty and, and some things that could be ruined, but it really should be the states in which those, those, those places exist that should be doing it. I think well, like we're at the in point. Article one, in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17, it says that the jurisdiction of the federal government shall not exceed an area to 10 miles square. So basically what it's saying is that the federal government has no jurisdiction outside the boundaries of the District of Columbia. They've got no authority except for needful buildings such as military fortifications, arsenals, dockyards, etc. 
And frankly, the Bureau of Land Management has no constitutional right to exist, or the Forest Service has no right to exist. They, they uh, frankly, are unconstitutional. And you take a look at the, the one of the things that happened during the summer of 1787 was something called the Northwest Ordinance. And in the Northwest Ordinance, a concept was introduced called the, this, the, the Equal Footing Doctrine. And basically what that was saying, that any state that would join the Union after the original 13 would be admitted on equal footing, that they would have the same rights and responsibilities of all the other states. Then why is 87% of Nevada owned by the federal government, while 2% of Pennsylvania is owned by the federal government? Is that equal footing? All of that land in, in, in Arizona, I mean, excuse me, in Nevada, that 87% of the state is is owned and controlled by the federal government. That That is completely unconstitutional. Even in California, there's 100 million acres in California. The federal government is squatting illegally on 44 million acres. If those acres were turned back over to the state for their own management, if the state of California was able to sell their own land or portions of their own land, they would have a tremendous amount of money to solve all of their financial issues. Well, that's a, a problem that exists in all states. Our county, uh, Cherokee County, North Carolina, is about 30, 35% of the land is, uh, is owned by the federal government. That's land that could be useful useful for private use, for taxation. It's part of our tax base that has been removed. And so almost 50% of the land in this country is now owned by the federal government, which as you really, as you point out so so accurately, the federal government was supposed to own 10 square miles of land, uh, military facilities, post offices, and post roads. That's it. Uh, and the rest of this is just a, is just land theft and it's land theft that has absolutely no purpose because the federal government cannot manage this land. They have no ability to manage this land, and that's why we're having all the forest fires out west. Uh, it's land that has been improperly managed for, for decades and decades. And when you have forest land that is improperly managed, you have uh, tinder and brush on the ground that should have been cleared uh, the federal government has no business owning all this land. And that's just another example of the federal government uh, usurping power, stealing land, stealing money, stealing whatever it can uh, from the people. And that's why you said that the, one of the most important things that you said is that government needs to be – government is best when it is nearest to the people. And that is the concept uh, that, the, that the Constitution had – and that's the concept that we've gotten away from because the oligarchs who run this government now are only interested in their own greed, money, and lust for power. Something else that is uh, distressing to me, and that is the Constitution does say that the federal government does have the ability to have needful buildings. Well, do you have any idea how many buildings the government owns in all the states? There's over 400,000 buildings and over 3 billion square feet of office space. And I don't think all of those are constitutionally authorized. These, these are not needful buildings. There's no constitutional authority to have a building dedicated to the Forest Service or to the Bureau of Land Management or the EPA or the OSHA or any of these other agencies. So the, the federal government is has all of these assets. You know, the, the fact of the matter is, is that we're always being told that the government has a deficit every year. This next deficit is going to be a trillion dollars. 
we're spending a trillion dollars that we don't have on things we can't afford and don't need, things that are unconstitutional. If a man was married to a woman or a woman was married to a man who was basically uh, writing bad checks for a trillion dollars, uh, how long would it take them to go to jail forever? I mean, Bernie Madoff is a petty thief compared to the federal government. Well, we have been talking with uh, Keith Broders of the Constitution Club, and again, his website is constitutionclub.ning.com. Keith, um, suppose you give us uh, some final thoughts and some suggestions of what we the people need to do to take back control of power. What what do we need to do uh, in order to save our constitutional republic? Well, I think probably the single most important thing is we need to have a monetary system that is based on wealth, not based on debt. What we're doing essentially when we buy things is we're renting money from the Federal Reserve and paying interest on the money that we borrow. When, when, and also, uh, so uh, basically I think the number one thing that we need to do is we need to go back and we need to repeal the Federal Reserve Act. We need to realize that there's the Congress had no authority to delegate the responsibility to issue the money and to regulate its value to a corporation owned by London bankers. This is absolutely absurd. And for the last hundred years, Congress and the Supreme Court have refused to recognize the fact that this this entity has debased our currency. Something that cost something that cost five dollars in nineteen thirteen costs a hundred dollars today. Our, the, the purchasing power of the dollar has diminished by 95% thanks to the Federal Reserve. We, we're, we're drowning in debt. Uh, John Adams once said that there's two ways to enslave a man or to enslave a nation. One is with the sword and the other is with debt. We are all debt slaves. We're all basically, we spend our lives working to, to to basically to, to raise the money to pay our taxes and to pay the interest on the, the, on the taxes. On the, on the loans. One of the things that I believe is is that the American people need to insist that, that we come up with an alternative to the debt-based money system that we have today. Buckminster Fuller once said that if you're going to change a situation, you don't attack the, the status quo, you create an alternative and give people the opportunity to choose what they want. Now, see, my position is that if we had Congress do their constitutional job of issuing the money and regulating its value, the money that we use for our government would not need to be borrowed, but it could be issued debt-free. That would eliminate all of the interest payments, and if we eliminate the interest payment, we would eliminate taxes. So I really believe that that's the single most important thing that we can do is to return to a monetary system it is based on wealth, not debt. Well, Keith Broders, it's been a most interesting discussion with you about the Constitution and our federal government. Uh, I urge all of you to visit constitutionclub.ning.com. That's Ning, N-I-N-G. That's constitutionclub.ning.com. Be active. Uh, visit the website. Join up. Uh, be active in the discussion groups. Tell your friends to the more people that understand what's going on, the more people we have that we can rely on to at some point possibly stand up and voice their opinions and, and help us take back 
uh, the Constitutional Republic. One last thing, uh, Dr. Gann, and that is, I think it's very important for us to realize that we individually have a responsibility to stand up for the principles of the Constitution. And if if we do not do that, if we remain silent, then we become part of the problem rather than part of the solution. It's very important that we, we, frankly, in order to restore the republic, we are going to need hundreds of thousands, if not millions of teachers that are willing to share this information with their family and friends. We cannot be saved in ignorance. Basically, Thomas Jefferson said that that a nation that expects to remain, expects to be ignorant and free in a state of civilization expects what never was and never will be. We need to take an active role in educating our friends and neighbors. Keith Broders, thank you so very much for being a guest on Freedom Forum Radio. And thank you. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything gonna be all right this morning. (laughs) 